Rise, O church, lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. Rise, O church, and lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. Sing as all the earth rejoices. for this Easter Sunday morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and Lord, we celebrate the risen Savior. We thank you for the gift of eternal life as he paid upon the cross. But Lord, because he lives, we live also. We look to that heavenly home that has been prepared for us. We rest in the promise that Christ gives to every one of us, that he's gone to prepare a place for us, and one day we shall abide with him. And because he lives, we can rest in that and know that that promise is true. 
We thank you. We praise you. We exalt you this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
please stand. Together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing one of our new songs that we learned just a few weeks ago. It was finished upon that cross and then finished with the chorus, He is Lord.
At this time, I'm going to read to you out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 down through 12. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified. And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher. And told all these things unto the eleven. And to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna. And Mary the mother of James. And other women that were with them. Which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. Then arose Peter. And ran unto the sepulchre, and stooped down. He beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold Him, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion. Oh, be still and behold Him. sinners and saints heal the blind the lost and the lame even now he is in our midst behold him he who chose a criminal's death paid with blood to settle our debt buried death as he rose to life Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion, oh, be still and behold him, Jesus, Alpha and Omega, our God, the risen Savior, 
still and behold Him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. to receive all praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, worthy, worthy to receive all praise. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah,
The last three Sundays, I have been preaching out of Isaiah 53, verses 1 down through 12. I'm going to read to you that text again, because we started in the beginning of Isaiah 53 by talking about the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Then in the middle of Isaiah 53, in the text that I'm going to read to you, we talked about his suffering and his death last week. But this Sunday, we're going to talk about, we're going to look into this text and see the melding together of the gospel. Because the gospel is simply the good news. It comes from the Greek word that's tied to the word evangelism. And it just simply is Greek for good news. But the good news of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And we find that all given to us in Isaiah 53 as well. So I'm going to read to you verses 1 down through 12. And listen as I read down. Listen to his birth, his life, his suffering, his death. But also his resurrected life. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And, uh, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God. And afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. But because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. 
When we look at Isaiah 53 and we go through these texts, as I mentioned, the very beginning talks about him growing up before the Lord as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground. He himself born in humble circumstances, born in a manger for there was no room in the inn, raised a carpenter's son, not a not a king, not a pharaoh, not a Caesar. Just a simple upbringing. And then as he grew to be a man, his ministry was out throughout the region. And he went from place to place and he did miraculous things. He, everything from raising the dead to, to making lepers whole. But he was always marching towards an objective. He was moving towards that day when he would go to Golgotha, when he would go to the cross. But he fully understood and he fully desired to pay that price with complete understanding that just as he had power to lay down his life, he had power to take it back again. When you look in Isaiah 53, we are reminded of God's plan. God's plan put in place from the very beginning of time. You and I today, we look back 2,700 years ago to Isaiah 53. 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. And we find these prophecies that lay out his birth, his life, his sacrifice. And yes, even his new life as the resurrected Christ. When you look at verses 10, 11, and 12 in Isaiah 53, listen again to these verses. It tells us, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Within that one verse, you find him talking about God's purpose. We find him talking about the very reason, the motivation behind the death of Christ. Within that verse, we find he is the offering, the sacrifice. But it talks about him resurrecting him and prolonging his life. For even today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. For he is the very beginning and the ending. He is God himself in the flesh. Come to pay the price for you and to pay the price for me. With death came life, a commingling of the gospel. You see, it's one thing for us to compartmentalize it. We, we look at Christ's ministry, then we go to Calvary. Then we go to the tomb and the ascension. We can, we can compartmentalize that and categorize it. But when you look in the Bible, God commingles it and simply calls it the gospel. That Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again for you and for me. We as Christians around the world celebrate his resurrection. We celebrate his life. 
So when we look at this text given to us so many hundreds of years ago, we are reminded of this commingling, this mixing of death, burial, and resurrection, that we ourselves might grasp and understand who he is, the power of God in the flesh coming to die for your sins and mine. When we come down in Isaiah 53, we find God's motive in it. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 6. He says, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, laid on, on the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. So we are reminded about the motivation behind Christ's coming, suffering, dying, being crucified, being buried, and yes, raising again. The whole motivation behind it was simply that you and I are sinners. Going all the way back to creation itself, Adam and Eve, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We find the sin of mankind falling upon humankind throughout all of time. Look with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to read to you verses 15, 16, and 17, just as a reminder of what transpired. Genesis chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, and dressed it to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And sure enough, as mankind, as Adam himself, his wife Eve, as they looked at all the blessings of their time and all the blessings of creation, something kept rising up before them. Something kept grabbing their attention. Something kept drawing them. And that was that one thing that they were forbidden to partake of. And how true it is of all of our lives, isn't it? We get up in the morning and we're so blessed of the Lord. And for whatever reason, that carnal part of humankind knocks at us over and over again and draws us to that which is not right. The Apostle Paul, he says, within him was a waging battle. He desired to do right, but he would find himself doing wrong. And we all can relate to that, can't we? From the time we are small children, we have in the church a number of babies and toddlers. And we, we tell the toddlers and the children to stay off the platform. A, I don't want them to fall off and all that stuff. But do you know, with all the square footage of this building, do you know where they really want to be? They want to be right here. Is it so magnificent and spectacular? No, but it's forbidden. And that's all it takes. And that is merely a little glimpse into all of our hearts and lives, isn't it? And we find it going all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve. 
That one thing that was forbidden just kept popping up and popping up. Look at what takes place in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Oh, the woman whom thou gavest to, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the, unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And again, we are reminded of all of us. For we are all very much even as Adam and Eve. When we get drawn to that sin and we fall into that trap and all of a sudden we're caught, not me, it's their fault. They made me do it. Adam says, well, Lord, yeah, no, I was afraid. I realized I was naked. I'm hiding. God says, who told you this? Did you partake of that which you were told not to partake of? Well, well, my wife gave it to me. It's, it's her fault. Let's deflect this over here. And God says to Eve, is that right? Is that true? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That, that serpent that you created, that serpent is the one who beguiled me. And we're still doing that to this day, aren't we? But the reality is the text tells us the very reason Isaiah 53 re reveals to us the simple gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is because all of us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us in this room. Jesus Christ went to the cross for you and for me. And if it was not for his resurrection, we would be without hope. If all it was was a price paid by a life given, we would be without hope. But because Jesus was put in the tomb, and because Jesus had the power to take his life back, because he lives, he is God. He is the sacrifice, the price paid for the sins of all mankind. God's attitude is revealed in that he himself left heaven above to come down. Take upon himself the form of a man. Why? Because it pleased him. Look with me at Isaiah 53 verse 10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. It pleased God to pay for your sin and mine. He gave himself as an offering for you and for me. It's a powerful truth when we understand the commingling of that death, that burial, and that resurrection done for us. When you look at verses 11 and 12, it really comes home to us individually. 
Look at verses 11 and 12. He shall see the he shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. God saw within himself the price paid and God was satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. And still today all around the world there will be Many millions of people, millions of people who will come to worship the resurrected Savior today. As prophesied of 2,700 years ago, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You and I, as we have come to God's house this morning, I simply ask you, are you bearing your own iniquities or have you passed them on to the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, he finds pleasure. He offers, he beckons, he calls to us. He says, bring your sins to me. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, he wants you and me. He wants all those that are live streaming the service. He wants us all to come to him and say, yes, Lord. I recognize that I, even as the sheep that have gone astray, my iniquities lay upon me and I cannot bear them. I pass them to you. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the sacrifice you paid for me. And because you are the living Savior. Because you are the sacrifice. You can accept them and take them and forgive them. The religious leaders of that day. They looked at Jesus Christ. And they accused him. And they said. Are you saying you can forgive sin? And yes. Jesus Christ can forgive sin because he is God. Amen. You and I can take all that which is laid upon us so heavily throughout the generations and we can take that and bear it as a burden at the foot of the cross and leave it. As we look at this text, turn with me, if again, with me again at Isaiah 53. Look down with me. At verses 11 and 12. As he links us to the gospel. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. All of our iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. So one second he's talking about the death and now he's talking about the life of Jesus Christ. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the ever living, everlasting Savior. God says, yes, 
He will pour out his soul that he might redeem many. But he also shall prosper for he shall resurrect. You and I even still today, he intercedes for us. Because we are still in the battle. Even after we receive Christ as our Savior. Even when we cast our sins at the foot of the cross. And we receive him into our hearts and our lives. Daily we fight the fight. And we call out and say, God help me. Help me as I walk my journey. As I live my life. Help me Lord that I might be victorious for you each and every day. Because just, just being a child of God doesn't set you free from the daily battle. He says, we are in this world. We're just no longer of this world. We've received Christ. We're the children of God. We've accepted him. We're born again. But we still must fight the good fight of faith. So we look to the living Savior. We look to the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. We look to the one who, according to Acts chapter 1, ascended up into heaven. And there into those clouds he went. And the angel said, and so shall he one day return. But you and I, we look to him. And I ask you this morning, have you put your faith in him? You've heard the account. You've heard the record. The scriptures tell us above 500 saw him as the resurrected Savior. Throughout time, there have been doubters and skeptics who've gone back and researched the record. And even secular writers wrote of the impact of the resurrection of Christ. I ask you, have you gone from that place of head knowledge to that place of heart acceptance that you too might be one whose iniquities have passed from them that he might bear them. By faith, receiving Christ as your Savior. We celebrate the resurrection. The New Testament tells us without the resurrection, we of all people would be most miserable. Because there would be no hope. But in the resurrection, we live in hope. We rest in truth. We grasp upon the promises of the scriptures, looking to that beloved day when we will be with him forevermore. But you must individually, personally, put your faith in Christ. As we come to the end of these three weeks that I've covered through Isaiah 53, in those three weeks we've looked at him as the babe, We've looked at him as that growing, living man who came to minister to give his life a ransom for many. We've gone to the cross with him and we've looked at him suffer, die, bruised, beaten. And today we've looked at the resurrection. But it's time for us to step back and individually say, what do I do with all that? What do I do with all that? You by faith embrace it. You by faith accept it. You by faith humble yourself at the foot of the cross and simply receive it. Lord, I am a sinner. And I accept you as my Savior. And we simply trust 
in God. Thank you so much for coming and being in God's house this morning. I hope that as we go from this place, we go forth celebrating the living Christ. As you visit with your friends and you have lunch with your family and you enjoy the day, remember that Jesus lives. John is going to lead us in one little closing chorus. I'm going to lead us in a quick prayer of dismissal. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. Help us to go forth representing you. And I thank you that you paid for our sin. And that you offer us eternal life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to